High in the hills of Happy Valley, Oregon, welcome to Until We Meet Again, brought to you by the kind support of Cornerstone Funeral Services in Boring, Oregon, and friends like you. I'm Elizabeth Fournier. This radio broadcast is an expression of our common ground and mortality, because after all, we are all in this together. Today's reading is edited and adapted from the writing of an unknown author. It's a beautiful poem, and it's titled, God's Heavenly Garden. In the most beautiful of gardens, even those tended by the most skillful of botanists, there is an occasional rose that buds, but never opens. In all respects, the rose is like all the others, but something keeps it from blooming. It fades away or disappears without having reached maturity. Experiencing the loss of a baby is probably one of the worst things that can happen to a parent, if not the absolute worst thing. My guest today is Stacy Verdict Case. She's a spirit-filled woman whose relationship with God became very strained after the death of her very young son, Marshall. Stacy was five months pregnant when she gave birth to her first child, but he unfortunately was too small to survive. Stacy, thank you so much for your willingness to share your story. I know that you shared with me that it was definitely the worst time in your life, and it was the loneliest time in a time when you really didn't want to be alone. So how did you cope, and how did you survive? Well, um, yeah, I probably didn't handle it in the healthiest way. Um, I really isolated myself even more than people... I think when you lose a child, it, you're expecting losses of older people and things like that. But when somebody loses a child, you really literally have no idea what to say because it's like the most horrible thing that people can think of. And the truth is, when you lose a baby, I wanted to talk about it. And nobody it made people very uncomfortable. So it was like people fled from me because I wanted to talk about my son. And um, it, it was just, it was, it was the strangest time because at the same time, I was, uh, I unfortunately handled it by numbing myself with alcohol, which was not the healthiest choice. Um, I don't recommend it for any, it doesn't help anybody to, to drink and it just makes it worse. So I don't think I handled it in the best way. I had a wonderful husband who, God bless him, put up with a lot for the month after we lost Marshall. Um, emotionally, I was wrecked. I was. It was the worst time ever. It really was. Yeah, of course you're wrecked. You had dreams. You had plans. You had a story that was going to unfold. You probably had baby things ready. You had a name picked out. And all of a sudden, you're not ready, and here comes a baby. How how did you, at five, did you, you felt like you had to go to the hospital? Were you at a doctor appointment? How did this happen that all of a sudden you were having a baby at five months? Uh, Well, I was, I remember the day vividly. I mean, I don't think you could ever forget something like that, but I um, started bleeding. And I remember immediately thinking, no, 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 this can't happen. And um, I told my husband, we need to go to the emergency room right now. And I said, we're going to lose this baby. I felt like I knew that this this was not going to 
go well. And, um, yeah, we, we went to the emergency room, and it was probably within an hour. They had us up in the delivery room, and we delivered Marshall, and he was just too small to survive. So it was it was extremely difficult because here you are in a maternity ward with mm. happy mothers and young babies, and it was the last place I wanted to be was <laughs> around other mothers who had healthy and happy pregnancies, and it was incredibly difficult. So are you thinking to yourself, why me, or is this not really happening, or are you just had clarity? How? What could you possibly be thinking during all this? Oh, I was angry. Oh, I oh. was probably, and I became so angry afterwards that I don't know how people really tolerated me because I remember it was during the time when um, the Casey Anthony thing had happened in Florida, oh. and I remember screaming at the top of my lungs at God, and I had said, this is who you allowed to be a mother, but I'm not allowed to be a mother, you know, and it was the most bizarre thinking when I look back on it now, but I was so angry at the law. And um, I had said to you when we talked before that I, I became extremely angry with God and my relationship really fractured because of this. And it took probably a good six months before I even started to think about church or my spirituality or even trying to reconcile with what happened because I thought there is no God. I, I just don't believe now because how could there be a God who would let this happen? And I think a lot of people who suffer loss, an unexpected loss or a tragic loss, and things like um, shootings or terrorist attacks or things like that come to that point. I think we all have that moment where we're, this traumatic event has happened and we question our faith and God and you know, how could there be a God when something so horrible could happen? And nobody could give me an answer that was going to satisfy me. There was literally nothing anyone could have said to me in that frame of mind that would have changed my mind. And I finally made peace with my faith because at the same time, I was praying and, and thinking, I don't believe in God, but I was praying. And I remember having a blunt conversation one day where I said to God, okay, here's the deal. <laughs> and, and if you know, I, I, people are going to laugh when they hear me talking because this is how I talk to God. I said, here's the deal. <laughs> hmm. I am going to continue to believe in you, but I'm going to be really mad at you for a while, and you're just going to have to be okay with it. <laughs> and, I, and it was the funniest day because um, it was raining, and it was like the instant that I said that, this rainbow appeared in my backyard. It was the most vivid, beautiful rainbow ever. And a flock of bluebirds, which I had decorated Marshall's room in bluebirds, oh. landed in my backyard. And I remember standing there and I was thinking, it's going to be okay. And since that day, my symbol for happiness now from like God speaking to me is bluebirds. So whenever I see a bluebird, it's my sign from God that what I'm going through is going to be okay. 
And people think that this is a bizarre story when I tell it, but it's absolutely 100% true. Everything that I'm telling you happened, and everyone is... When you grieve, the one thing people want to do is take your pain from you, and the one thing they should not do is take your pain from you. We need that pain. We need to go through the pain, and we need to come out the other side on our terms. And people set time limits, which I thought were ridiculous, on when they felt like I should be over this. And I can tell you I'm 11 years on and I'm not over it. So there are days when I still have moments and, and I think I really wish I had both my son and my daughter, especially milestones with my daughter make me think about my son. And it's it's hard to explain to people if they have an experience of, of significant loss in their life to not try and tell people what their timeline should be or that they should be over pain. And I, I guess I'm kind of rambling now, so <laughs> please ask me another question. You I feel like I just... <laughs> <laughs> now, you've shared so much. There's so much to unpack in that. Because first off, you prayed, you opened up your heart, and God gave you a sign, and you knew it was a sign, because you're not going to hear the words back of the answer of the exactly. prayer, but you saw it and it's there. And now, like you say, it's your sign that lets you know things are there. I think that's fantastic. And many people do believe that and do live in a world where they look for signs for answered prayers. And sometimes they feel like if they're not getting an answer to their prayer, it's not their time to have an answer yet. So right. I'm happy for you personally. And it tied into Marshall because this is something that you did. You decorated his room with this. Uh, you know, when yeah. you talk about this, it just it sounds like you had such an isolated experience because not everybody loses a baby. And yet some people do, and their experience is completely different. The journey is so different than yours. And wow, the idea, I, I, and here you are saying, don't take my pain away, just sort of walk along with me. What right. was something somebody could have said to you in that time to be helpful that you just, you weren't hearing from anybody? Well, I was in a unique position because my best friend had gone through infertility problems, and she had actually lost um, seven pregnancies. So um, I don't think there was anything that hadn't been said to me that I wanted said because she knew. Mm -hmm. She knew exactly. I would swear that woman had a timeline of when she should call me because at the darkest moments, my phone would ring, and she'd go, I needed to check on you. What a gift. Yeah, it really was. And I think what I want to convey to people listening, if you have someone who's lost a baby and you don't know what to say because you don't, it's okay to sit quietly and let them talk because that person holds this inside when people didn't want to talk about this, when I wanted to say something and I wanted to say, I'm hurting and people didn't want to hear it and they wanted me to not talk about it. It's like when you have a secret that you're not allowed to tell and it's this burden and holding this inside me was a burden. And she gave me space. She sat with me quietly and gave me space to just talk and unburden myself and say, I, I feel like this is unfair. I, I'm i in pain. And she just sat quietly and says, I know, I know. 
It is. It's unfair. You know, and you literally don't have to say anything but just nod your head. They don't. My expectation wasn't for her to fix the pain. And that's what I think people struggle with is they want to fix your pain. And all I think you need to do is give them a place to unburden themselves because it's so painful to keep it inside. And I have spoken since I lost Marshall. I've spoken with other people in my life that have come forward and said, look, I lost a baby. And I heard you lost a baby. And then they want to talk because they felt like they couldn't talk either. And I remember saying to one of the ladies, I said, all I remember thinking was, I want to talk about my son. And she said, I did too. And no one wanted to talk. And I said, no one wanted to talk because we're so caught up in our own discomfort of the situation that we forget that the person that's hurting may need to talk. Would it have been helpful to you if someone said something like, I'm going to give you permission to be silent. I'll check on you tomorrow. If you don't feel like talking, don't answer the phone. I'll let it go to voicemail. And I'm going to give you permission not to have to talk to me about this or answer my questions. Is that good too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just that space. And I think, you know, if a friend of mine had said, I'm going to call you every day, you don't have to take my call. But, you know, I'm going to check on you. And I want you to know that I'm here for you if you need me to just listen, would have been perfect. And I had that. So I felt really blessed and very lucky to have that person who was there to do that for me. So if if you have a listener out there who's got a friend that's going through this, be that person for them. They need that. How else can anybody listening help mothers who are trying to work through their grief? It's so hard because everybody's an individual and everybody grieves differently. But for me, um, people wanted to hide babies from me and things like that. And it was extremely painful for me to see a pregnant mother or a baby. But it's not something you have to hide or be ashamed that you had, that you're pregnant. And I mean, it was like, people didn't want to tell me like it was a secret, but you know, there's the best thing you can do is not, not ever, ever say, aren't you over it by now? I did actually have one person say to me, well, you should really be over this by now. And this was like maybe six months after I had lost my child and I flew into a rage and I was like, I don't know what timeline you got, but nobody gave me a timeline. You know, it was, that was one of the worst things anybody could say is, I feel like you should be over this by now or any, anything like that, because that pain is so visceral and it's raw and it's raw for a very, very, very long time. Did people? I mean, I, I actively cried for about two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's good. People are hearing this. I think this is something that people don't necessarily know happens. And did I'm just curious. Did anybody say anything horrible to you, such as, "Oh, you're young. You'll have other children," or, "Oh, well, I guess it's just God's plan. You'll be fine," or anything that's yeah. just so. Um, I guess you know. I guess you obviously, you know, didn't take care of your pregnancy well. Or I, I mean, was this, did, is this stuff I read in the books or did this stuff people really said to you? 
Oh no, yeah. There's there was um, my my son uh, passed away on December eighth, so it was right before Christmas. So at the time, you know, you're getting Christmas cards, and inside the Christmas card from my aunt, uh, she wrote, "I'm sorry to hear about your loss, but it's nothing compared to the loss that." Or how did she write it? It was it's nothing compared to what God gave us in in the loss of His only Son. Uh huh. And I remember being so angry by that because I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, you, first you're not expecting something like that in your Christmas card. Yeah, and she meant you well. Know, and, it's just it yeah. did not. No, that didn't read how it was needed to be read. No. No. No, it fell very flat. And then um, one other person had said to me, um, well, did you have him baptized? And I said, no, we hadn't had him baptized. And um, she said, well, he's going to go to hell. Oh. And I, I uh-huh. was so, don't ever tell a grieving mother that her child's going to hell because it's just, um, we're not Catholic, so that's not part of our belief system. And I understood that this person was. So in her belief system, that's, that's how that happened. But to me, it was like, that's a very personal thing. And it's a judgment on me as a mother in the same sentence. I mean, you condemned my child to hell and judged me as a bad mother for not having uh, the baptism. And it was probably the most inconsiderate and painful thing anyone had ever said to me. In addition to the Christmas card, condolence, letter. If if you know somebody who has a loss around Christmas, please don't send the condolence in the Christmas card. <laughs> That's great advice. Yes, please don't ever do that. Or a Easter card or a birthday card or any other. Make Make it a separate condolence letter because... I was looking forward to Christmas cards because it was a happy place for me. So when somebody added a condolence to the Christmas card, it was like a reminder, and it brought me back to the grief. So that's another tip from a grieving mother. (laughs) Yeah, that's powerful. I think, again, what you're talking about is so real, but these are things people who I'm just going to say who are on the outside of your situation don't get. They think, well, it'd be rude if I wrote a Christmas card and didn't acknowledge the fact this happened to her. But yeah, what you're saying is please do it separately. There's a time and a place. And darn it, I was looking forward to Christmas and my Christmas cards. Great, really great point, Stacey. Yeah, I really was, and because I love Christmas, I absolutely, it's one of my favorite holidays. So th- there were these little happy places and happy moments inside of this, like, I call it like a grief bubble. For about a month, I was in a grief bubble, a very, that's when it was the most profound, it was like that first month was really, really hard. And then it never goes away, but it certainly does get less with time. Like every year at Christmas when I put the tree up, he has an ornament on our tree with uh, baby shoes and then his birthday engraved on it. And I hang it up and I, I get sad when I hang it up. I don't actively cry anymore, but it's a, it's a moment for me when I put the tree up, but it's still one of my favorite holidays. So I was absolutely looking forward to, you know, my cards and putting presents under the tree and sort of this little piece of normality 
inside that bubble. So to have, you know, the Christmas card have a condolence in it, it was like, please don't, don't do that. <laughs> do you have other things of Marshall's or did you just find that baby shower gifts got returned to the sender? How did you handle any of that? Uh, his room, um, obviously, when, when we had our daughter, the same room would be the nursery. But um, I did return the bassinet. I took back a lot of the clothing. Um, the bluebirds stayed mm-hmm. on the walls. His room stayed bluebirds. And um, I did keep a bunny that eventually my daughter somehow absconded with the bunny. I haven't seen it for a while, so but I did for a long time have this little blue bunny that was in the bassinet and I kept that and it was by my bedside for a long time. Did you keep a scrapbook about Marshall or write a journal about your situation or maybe even write letters to him? I wrote I I am a writer, so I do write to process a lot of what I believe and what I go through. It's my, my catharsis. And I've written about Marshall. There's a journal that I wrote in that will probably be, you know, I I would say tucked away with me for life because a lot came out in that journal. It does help me. I didn't keep a scrapbook. Um, When you, when you have a baby and it's lost, the hospital did take photographs of him and it's still very painful for me. I've locked them in a a fireproof safe along with his birth certificate, his death certificate, and everything from the hospital is in a, um, they give you a purple satin box at our hospital and I put everything in there and I put it in the safe and I still, I don't like to look at it. Um, Nor do you have to, right? Yeah. Well, I, I held him, I remember. You know, it's still hard for me to see that. But like my daughter's very curious. One of the things we did when he passed away was I wanted to plant a tree. We had gotten so much money from people who wanted to be kind and, and help, but we had him cremated and his ashes were scattered in a, um, a pond at a, a cemetery. It was, I still have not even been to the cemetery. I can't go there. You know, it's not me where my son is so we tried once to go there and I we got to the gate and I said to my husband no just turn around I can't come here so it was this that's too painful for me but with the money we decided we would plant a tree and you know in our front yard and then we could watch that grow and that would be Marshall's tree and it was ironic because we went to a tree farm near our house and we were looking at this one tree, this apple tree, and I, I turned and I saw this tree and I said to the guy, well, what is this? And he said, it's a Marshall ash. Oh. I know. And I said to my oh. husband, that's my tree. And he yeah. goes, you don't want that tree because of the emerald ash borer. And I said, no, this is my tree and you need to get it on the truck. <laughs> and my husband's like, you need to just get the tree. He's like, she will tear you a new one because I was so... You know, Mama Bear at that moment, I was like, I can't believe this is a Marshall ass that's coming home with me. So we we called it Marshall's tree. And when my daughter was born, we had our uh, family photo taken under the tree. Oh, my goodness. So every year, yeah, we watch it grow. And it's just a nice, 
you know, it was a nice thing to do with that money because I, I didn't feel right taking people's money, but they insist, you know, everybody sends it to you, they insist. And we certainly didn't need it to pay bills because, you know, the cost of the cremation was not that much. And it, I think it was a nice tribute for him, but it was like another one of those signs because who who knew there was a Marshall Ash? I mean, I had no idea. I'm not a tree person, but it was perfect. And the tree flourishes. I mean, it's just the most gorgeous tree in our front yard. So oh, I'm happy for you. I think that's such an important thing. As a funeral director, people will come to me and they'll want some sort of a tree or something they can plant. And sometimes things don't grow and it feels like a secondary death because right. you really wanted that for your mom or whomever. And it didn't, nothing happened and it didn't flourish. And I think there's the, some of the hardship feelings. So I'm glad that happened. Yeah. Do I you... told my husband when uh, they told us about the emerald ash borer, uh, he takes care of that tree because I said, if that tree dies again, it'll crush me. And he knows mm-hmm. this. So he's mm-hmm. taken very good care of the tree. <laughs> Stacy, how did you amend your relationship with God? Oh, there was a lot of crying, and there was a lot of yelling. And I was not very respectful to God at that time. But I remember still praying, and I have um, a book. It is, uh, gosh, I wish I had it in front of me so I could tell you the exact title, but it's a, it's a book of passages that, are meant for certain difficulties in life. And each section, it'll say, you know, when you're grieving, read these passages. And so I continued to read these passages on grieving that this book suggested. And it was just one day the words hit me, and I don't even remember the passage, but the what I read, and I, I started to cry because it felt like it touched me where I live, you know, I mean, it was like right inside. And I remember that was the day that I had that conversation where I said, I'm just going to be mad at you for a long time and you're going to have to accept it. You're going to have to be strong enough to take it, you know, and it was a long building back process. And in January of the next year, I, I pick a word every year. It's something that Debbie Maycomer, um, I don't know if you know that author, but she, she does every year. So I, I picked my word with faith, and then you basically research that word throughout the year. So that was my year of faith, and I was going to have faith, and I was going to trust God. And the wonderful thing was we found the right doctors. They found out why I had miscarried. Um, I was able to get pregnant again and have a healthy child, but then I did lose another uh, pregnancy after Victoria. So it was and then I couldn't have any more children. So I had my miracle baby, mm. what I call her, and I just really explored my faith that year. And it was a long, long process of building that back. There was tears and anger and frustration, and every time I would see on the news a parent who had abused a child, the anger would come back, and I would say, God, why are you doing this? Why would you let that happen to a child? And the thing is, I think that the loss, I was meant to lose that child because I'm a totally different person now than before I lost that child. It was so funny because I remember my husband saying to me, I keep waiting for you to get mad. And I said, about what? And, and he said, 
well, I just told you this, and I just told you that. I said, yeah, it just doesn't matter. It just, everything in perspective suddenly didn't matter. And I think I'm a better mom because I lost him. I think, like, she can spill milk on the floor. I don't get upset. She could, you know, break a lamp. I'm not, I'm not upset, you know. And before the, the loss, things, small, petty things, seem much more important to me. And I think this was a lesson that I had to learn, that you take things way too seriously. And here's something that is actually serious. So you can put this into perspective. And I think if I had had a child and not had that perspective, I would have been a terrible mother. I honestly believe I would have been a terrible mother. You've been listening to KKPZ, 1330 AM, The Truth. Thank you so very much to my guest, Stacy Verdict Case. And until we meet again next week, be excellent to each other.